G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. We live in a world, a day and age, where the truth seems to be up for grabs. As I watch and listen to the news each day and read my newspaper as I do, what I see is a whole bunch of people clamouring for the right to declare that their truth is the one that's true. Things aren't as simple anymore as they used to be. Hi, I'm Bernie Diamond. Great to be back with you again. Today we're going to take a look at the power of the truth from a different perspective. A couple of thousand years ago, when he was torn between the demands of justice and the demands of a crowd baying for Jesus' blood, a man by the name of Pontius Pilate asked this question, What is truth? That, as it turned out, is a very good question. And if Pilate was still around today and asked that same question again, he'd be right there up with the issues of the times. Truth used to be considered something that's absolute. It's either true or it isn't. But these days, it's become a fluid concept. Your truth is your truth, and my truth is my truth. And if it works for you, buddy, that's great. Go for it. But don't try to foist your truth on me. And that last statement has become the mantra of our times as it supports the 21st century ideology of pluralism. Have you ever wondered exactly what pluralism is? Well, in my dictionary tells me that it's a theory or a system where two or more states or groups or principles or sources of authority can coexist. Pluralism is a religious doctrine of the times. In fact, it's the religious doctrine of the times. And the moment you step over its boundaries, the moment you insist on absolute truth, you're considered a conservative, a bigot, an extremist. There are all sorts of stereotypes and labels to describe someone who commits the most heinous crime of this time by insisting that truth, far from being relative and pluralistic, is absolute. Consider the assertions of atheism and secularism towards the Christian faith. How dare you insist that your God exists or that he's the only God or that the outdated morals of the Bible apply to us today? How dare you insist that Jesus is the only way? How dare you? And so, confronted with what today seems like a relentless onslaught on the very foundations of their faith, Christians around the world, and yes, even churches around the world, are getting a bit wobbly about their God and and who he is and what he stands for. Christians are retreating from the marketplace of thought and debate and legislation and culture into enclaves to protect their faith. A bit, it seems, like Custer's last stand, circling the wagons for one last time. But oddly enough, there are still places in this world where truth is absolute, objective and immovable. Let's start with my dictionary, which tells me that something is true if it is in accordance with fact or reality, if it's real and actual accurate and exact. The Bible definition of truth, at least, hasn't changed. And there's another place where you find absolute truth, or at least where you expect to find absolute truth. And that place is in our courts. I remember some years ago when I was engaged as an expert witness in a civil litigation in the Supreme Court. 
I was asked to give my expert opinion on the failure of the implementation of a very large and complex information technology system based on my review of some 1.1 million project documents in Discovery. And as I wrote my expert report, all of 600,000 words, and worked with the lawyers on the case, they were consistently challenging my conclusions. Prove it, they said. The court requires you not just to say something, but if you say it, to demonstrate that it's actually true based on the evidence in those discovered documents. But in our society, in our culture, people have somehow successfully managed to water down the truth, to turn black and white into 50 shades of grey in order to justify every perversion and evil under the sun. So here I am. I believe in Jesus. I believe that one day he will return to judge the living and the dead. I believe that I have the free gift of eternal life because Jesus died for me to pay for my sins and he rose again to give me a new life. Those are the things I hold dear and true and yet the world wants to hound me down and tell me that I'm not being liberal enough or open-minded enough or, or pluralistic enough while all at the same time the world is going to hell in a handbag and tearing itself apart through the evil and the strife and the morals that are destroying families, that are robbing children of love and tearing communities and nations apart. What exactly do I do with all of that? Those people need to hear about Jesus, but they're shouting me down. They don't want to listen. Isn't that how many Christians think? Isn't that what's going through so many hearts and minds? So what's the answer? Well, the answer quite simply is this, that despite the fact that the world rejects the God of the Bible, which, by the way, is nothing new, after all, they crucified Jesus, right? God's word is still true. Jesus will still return. Jesus will judge the living and the dead. And that compels you and me and anyone else who believes in Jesus to get out there and share his truth. The truth of freedom and salvation in Christ alone with a world that's headed for the judgment of God. But how do you do that when they don't want to hear? Well, actually, the Bible tells us exactly how. Ephesians 4, 12 to 15. We must no longer be children tossed to and fro and blown about by every wind of doctrine, by people's trickery, by their craftiness in deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we must grow up in every way to him who is the head into Christ. And again, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 24 to 26. The Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kindly to everyone, an apt teacher, patient, correcting opponents with gentleness. God may perhaps grant that they will repent and come to know the truth and that they may escape from the snare of the devil, having been held captive by him to do his will. See, the answer is to speak the truth in love and correct with gentleness. I've heard so many Christians out there condemning the world and shouting hatred at people. Hey, Jesus never did that. In fact, those so-called Christians are no better than the gun-toting, bomb-throwing extremists of other religions. The way to change the world is to speak the truth in love. God's unwavering, unchanging, unfailing truth. Speak it in love so that God may perhaps grant that some will repent and come to a knowledge of the truth. His truth, the one truth that saves. There have been so many times in history where groupthink has taken over and evil has reigned and all, or almost all, were led astray. Look at the Nazi regime that sparked World War II. Go back as far as the Roman Empire, whose symbology and methods Hitler drew on. Time and time and time again, people like lemmings have flocked together only to plunge to their death and destruction. 
And as I said the other day on the program, all that is required for evil to prosper is for good men and good women to stand idly by and do nothing and say nothing. Well, if you and I believe in Jesus, that's just not an option for us. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. John chapter 14, verse 6. And then to prove it, he died for you. He died for me so that his truth written in his blood would be spoken to our hearts through the love of sacrifice. There, right there, is the model, the approach for us to follow. To speak the truth in love, to correct with gentleness, not with guile and hatred and vitriol and finger-pointing and, and condemnation as some do, but with love, the sublime love that is so vividly painted on that cross in crimson red in the blood of Jesus. And no matter how dark the thoughts and beliefs and practices of our times may become, all that it needs is one small glimmer, one small flame to shed the light of the truth into this world. And that one small glimmer, that one small flame, that's you. Yeah, it's a crazy world we live in, isn't it? And yet with all that's going on, there's one truth that remains. God is a God who wants to bless us. But all too often, we have obstacles in our lives that block his flow of blessing. That's why I'd love to send you a free copy of my latest life application booklet, Don't Miss Out on God's Blessings, to help you remove those obstacles. And with the life application questions at the end of each chapter, you'll be able to chew things over to really apply God's Word right into the realities of your life. Because God's Word is alive and active. Amen? So I'm praying that He'll help you remove any obstacles to the flow of His blessing in your life through this booklet. You can request your free copy right now. Just stop by at ChristianityWorks.com or give us a call toll-free on 1-300-722-415 and we'll send it straight out to you in the post. Again, that's ChristianityWorks.com or 1-300-722-415. Hey, thank you so much for joining me. I'm Bernie Diamond and I'll catch you again same time tomorrow with a different perspective. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.